It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Happy Saturday morning to you. Just hanging out, doing a radio show for all of you for another hour. So thank you for listening to Green and Growing. This is show 10 for me. I can't believe that. You know, when I started at WSB over 10 years ago, Having a, a, a talk show was not in my wheelhouse at all. I was just willing to clean bathrooms, work promotions, uh, festivals, you know, do editing, anything that they needed me to do and had no idea 10 years later I would have a show. And this is fun. As long as I'm having fun doing this, and I think as long as I have the mindset that I'm always continuously learning, and God knows I have a lot to learn about gardening, but everything I learn I want to share with all of you. As long as I'm enjoying this, and hopefully y'all are getting good information from this show, I'm going to keep doing it. And I'm going to come back every week, day six, to do this show, because I think it's really important now more than ever, because we want to attract a lot more new folks to gardening and make it less intimidating. But that is something that everyone can be doing safely at home right now, whether you're cooped up in a high rise or a condo or a townhome, or you're lucky enough to have an acre or two or even a farm. Everybody has something they can be doing and something to enjoy as far as plants and flowers and even birding, you know, something that you don't necessarily have to actively participate in to attract them. You know, you just have a bird feeder and you can enjoy watching the birds. I put out the hummingbird feeder a couple of days ago. I think that's pretty important for any of us right now. And they do tend to be creatures of habit. So if you've put a feeder out for years, I think it's important that you continue to do that. Otherwise, they may kind of get confused and struggle to find new sources of food. But yeah, they are they are certainly flying around Cherokee County for sure. And the whole red food coloring thing, that's, that's a myth. You don't have to do that to the water. But Four parts water, one part sugar. Just make your own. Barely heat up the water. It doesn't even need to be at a boil. Just hot enough to stir in the sugar and melt the sugar. And voila, you've got your hummingbird food. Nice, clean feeder. It's so important to clean the feeders out really, really well, especially if they have any black mildew. Maybe from staying out over the winter, that can make... I mean, think about how tiny a hummingbird is. That can make them really sick. So it took me about 10 minutes to clean a plastic hummingbird feeder. I mean, I used a toothpick, a pipe cleaner, a toothbrush, which <laughs> it was not our toothbrush. It was a, it was a throwaway for sure. But uh, and a lot of Dawn soap and a lot of paper towels and a lot of water. So 10 minutes, but it's going to reward us all summer long. And we'll have hummingbirds come into the back deck. 404-872-0750. Ray in Athens. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I have uh, one question, three answers. Uh, I <laughs> When do I uh, prune my boxwoods? These are real, real boxwoods. They're 60 years old. Mm-hmm. And uh, my um, holly tree. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, when would my friend cut his holly tree to make it not come back? Oh, okay. So your holly tree that you want to keep, is it evergreen or is it deciduous? I mean, did it keep... It's evergreen. It is evergreen. Okay, well, I have good news for you then, Ray, because you can kill two birds with one stone. With the evergreen holly and with the boxwoods, you can be doing all of that now. I would say up until about August. Cut both of those, prune them them back now. What you don't want to do is prune them leading into the cold months, like September, October, because that's going to 
you know, uh, encourage new growth. And then if it gets, you know, we get a cold snap like in November, it may kill it off. So you've got through the end of the summer to do both of those. So so it's backwards from what the layman might think. It, uh, just because it's green in the winter doesn't mean that uh, uh, that um, uh, you'd um, uh, want to trim it in the hot months. Right, right. Yeah, because when we prune stuff severely, it, it always encourages the plant to put out new growth, almost like healing itself. And so if it really expends the energy to put out new growth and then it gets cold and it gets frostbitten or whatever, that's kind of detrimental to the plant and leaves it, you know, exposed and stuff too. But it's going to be so forgiving in these warm months. You you cutting both the holly and the boxwood, they're going to fill back in, but at least you'll have some control you know, over the shape now if you're cutting it back. And now why does your friend want to get rid of a holly? Uh, his wife has a sewing room, mm-hmm. and uh, it blocks the light. Oh, yeah. It keeps cutting it down. It keeps coming back. Ugh. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of work. Um, and then once you're left with a stump to getting the stump out of there, I would just keep going at it. Chainsaw, axe, whatever he's got. Make sure there's no water or gas lines nearby in case he misses, though. Um, and then maybe, you know, applications of glyphosate, like a roundup as soon as he sees new sprigs uh, that are coming right. from the hardened cuts that he's made. But, I mean, you got to keep after it. I mean, I had a crepe myrtle that was the same way. It was in an awful spot trying to kill off all the new growth and then the the stump. I mean, that took me about two and a half years to successfully finally get it out of there. So, yeah, but, persistence. But maybe, maybe, maybe he did his in the hot months or, the, or in the winter. That might be it a was, good idea. Yeah, there you go. Because yeah. obviously, like we talked yeah. about that being counterintuitive. Yeah, if he did some major, major cutting, like say September, October, and then carefully right. used the glyphosate even then still, yeah, that could leave it more vulnerable. So if he wants to get rid of it, that's a good thing to try. All right. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Ray. You enjoy your weekend. You too, Bob. All right, appreciate it. We talked about uh, moles in the last hour. I had a lot of feedback on that, so that was pretty good. And we heard from our friend Mickey Gasway. Hey, out there, Mickey. I know she's listening from West Cobb. Milky spore is great for grubs, and it's not detrimental to earthworms or other animals. So that's really good. Milky spore. Thank you for that, Mickey. And now we'll talk about squirrels with Mark in Covington. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Ah, doing pretty good. How about you? I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for enjoying the show. Thank you. Congratulations. Thanks. So, my question regarding the squirrels is, my home is surrounded by large trees mm-hmm. that do not belong to me, so when leaf season comes, generally I blow everyone's leaves but mine. So that tells you I have a large population of squirrels. I have made a uh, garden in the back of the court, and unfortunately every piece of fruit and vegetable that I put in there has been chewed on and left on the ground by squirrels. What is your recommendation to keep the world away from a garden? So wire mesh and caging are going to be my most obvious things to say, Mark, for the garden. And that's definitely going to be a big investment from the big box stores and, you know, making sure that the size of, of the mesh and the wire is, you know, small enough squares to where they're not going to be able to get into it. And I've even had people tell me they chew through that, which is insane. Um, but you know, at least it's going to slow the process. And I'm, I'm hesitant to say this. A lot of people use red pepper flakes and stuff like that too. I, I don't think that works at all. That may keep them from digging in like a little garden planter for a little bit, but again, that washes away and stuff. So here's what I'm hesitant in saying, and I don't want to upset you or anybody else. A BB gun, but with, with the preface of I, I miss on purpose. I have a BB gun, keep it near the back deck. 
I miss. I, I'm not aiming for the squirrel, but close. And the sound of that now, the sound of the BBs, and then just the sound of the air, you know, as the BB shoots out. Our squirrels, I swear, I don't know if they're the same squirrels that have always lived in our cul-de-sac, but they're trained now. They know that sound, and they immediately get off the back deck without hesitation and usually don't come back for a couple of days just hearing that sound. So I don't know if that's a ergonomically correct answer, but I've had success with that. I mean, I'm serious. And I buy expensive bird seed, which totally ticks me off if the squirrels get to it because that's so wasteful. But I mean, I've gone to great lengths just to make sure to keep the squirrels away. So uh, if anybody else has great recommendations too, we're, you know, we're welcome to hear them. So, I mean, what have you tried that hasn't worked, Mark, just so other people know? So I have tried the red pepper flakes. I have tried uh, pepper plants around the other plants with no success. I put the owl out, no success there. Yeah. I have tried the red rider BB gun. Yeah. Maybe the red rider, but just wasn't strong enough. Uh, and the sound was not loud enough for them. Yeah. So that was going to be my next step was for the wire mesh. But I do know that the squirrels have a tendency to get into engine compartments and through, through wiring. So I was a little hesitant on that. Yeah. So I maybe mean, it will be the, a little more powerful. Yeah, and, and like I said, at least that's going to slow them a little bit, but it'll give you a little bit of an insurance, a little bit of a peace of mind that if, if you go to those extra lengths, I think you will be rewarded. It'll at least cut back on them for sure. But also I've had folks say they put those um, the corn out. They'll buy the corn and put that out thinking that the squirrels will go after that. But again, they outsmart us there too because then they can have corn and everything else that they still want. We're just su- supplementing their food, you know? Right. So, yeah. all right, well, yeah, thank you for calling. Yeah, check back in once you've got your vegetable garden going and stuff, and please let me know what has worked and what hasn't, okay? Absolutely. All thank right. you so much. Thanks. You be safe out there, Mark. Appreciate the call. In just a few minutes, we're going to get to Harry in Lilburn, a question about hydrangeas. Love oak leaf hydrangeas. But I did want to tell you about a project that I took on. It wasn't really that that crazy of a project, but folks wanting to talk to Walter Reeves and myself about gardening at home with the children because everybody's now home with the kids, trying to keep them occupied, give them something to do. So um, I really got some good advice and good feedback from Walter, but created the Garden Explorations Green and Growing Scavenger Hunt a few weeks ago and was happy to go on the Weather Channel, uh, their weekend recharge show on Sunday mornings and share that with the viewers um, of Channel 2, Action News, and of the Weather Channel. It's going to be a good little 10-activity scavenger hunt, nothing too long. It may take just a little over an hour in the yard to do with the kids. Ages 5 to 10 is kind of what I had in mind. Um, And my friends have done this with their children, and they were really pleased with the tasks that it gives you, and even putting a contest in there as well for the kids to kind of you know, learn an app and learn digital technology with plant identification, but also kind of, you know, sharpen their skills and and compete against one another. So that was kind of fun. Um, An extra activity for them as well that I created, making an online photo book of all of the things that they're seeing in the yard that they can remember season after season and kind of know what to expect. So If that's something you're interested in, go to my Facebook page, Green and Growing WSB, or send me an email, and I'm happy to share the PDF file with you for the scavenger hunt. And also, talking about birding, which I have a lot this morning, kids can really get actively involved in that if you find a good uh, Georgia bird identification book. 
and you're able to look birds up by color. That is one of the quickest ways I have found to learn the names and species of the different birds that we see here in the southeast. And lastly, starting seed. I don't think it's too late to start vegetable seed inside if you would like to and then have kind of a second flush of crops. You know, you'll have to wait six to eight weeks for those seeds to really get into plants that you can put outside. I did start my seed, though, back in February, and I think I'm on week four or five growing tomato, pepper, and okra inside, and it wasn't that hard. I mean, I've been intimidated by that for years, and once I got started with the right plastic seed tray and the right soil, and someone gave me really good seeds, so I feel like that has kept me busy every single day. Every single day I go down to my basement, check on my seed babies, check the water, have a fan blowing on them gently from time to time to make sure there's no diseases or or, uh, fungi that start on those tender seedlings. So that's something fun to do with the kids. I have all of that information and more on the Facebook page, if you will. Check it out and give me feedback, please. I'd love to hear your negative things or comments or just some, you know, constructive criticism to any of those ideas. Green and Growing WSB. We're going to take a break and then you're welcome to call 404-872-0750. Self-isolation never sounded so good. Listen to Atlanta's news and talk while you're at home on the WSB radio app or tell your smart speaker, play 95.5 WSB. Thank you for tuning in to WSB this morning. We are happy to be alongside you all weekend long. We have live talk programming coming up throughout the morning. Dave Baker and the Home Fix-It Show, Atlanta Living, and Belinda Skelton. What's not live is going to be the UGA Notre Dame game from 2017. We're going to have that for you, for you to get in your sports fix and your football fix from 3 to 5.30 this afternoon. So that's going to be fun to listen to if you're working out in the yard or just sitting out on the back deck. Instead of getting in front of the TV, just listen to the radio. And then over the weekend, more live programming as well. So keep it right here for the latest news and information. We are trying to help take care of you on WSB. Up next is John Incoming. Thanks for calling this morning, John. Good morning, Ashley. Hey. I planted, excuse me, I planted some daffodil bulbs that I happen to have found in my garage that I probably should have planted two seasons ago. Mm -hmm. And some of those bulbs were all smushy and dry, smushy, you know, nothing in there. And others were firm, but obviously didn't look like they were this year's bulbs. I planted them, and probably 20, 25 of them all shot up, not one flower. All green, but not one flower. My question, will the flowers come next year, or they, do I dig them up? That's really interesting. So, yeah, as long as they at least put up the green, then the bulbs were good, so that's good information. <laughs> it is very common to have them not bloom the first year, so I think that's okay. Uh, There's four common reasons, John, why daffodils don't bloom, either too crowded if they were planted too closely together, if they weren't in the right sun. But I think it's still too early for you to determine that, having just put them out. But they do need a lot of sun, but not getting too warm. That's kind of a catch-22, like a mild winter that we had Things warmed up a lot where they didn't have enough cold weather to break dormancy. So, again, I I don't necessarily think that's going to be your problem since you just put them out. And then this is to keep in mind, not not to mess with the foliage from year to year. Don't cut back the greenery once the daffodils are done blooming because those bulbs need that nutrition. So I would give it a year, John. And really, they don't even need fertilizer. But for you, if you have concerns and you took all that time, very early spring is when you're going to want to fertilize those. I mean, really like 
I mean, I'm talking mid-February, probably mid to late February next year. As soon as you start to see the greenery, that's going to be a few weeks before they start to bloom. So a good little application of fertilizer may do the trick. We got to get out and check news, weather, and traffic. I'll be back on Green and Growing 95.5 WSB. Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries on 95.5 WSB. Welcome back. The last half hour of Green and Growing here on 95.5 WSB. So happy to be with you this morning. It's it's hard to be cheerful at a time like this, but talking about gardening for three hours with you and your questions and even you educating me, that has been so helpful. And I, I hope a lot of you are finding it calming and knowing that everything's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Just keep on keeping on. Find things that make you happy. And right now, being out in the yard and landscaping your yard, that can make you happy. I'm joined by Desiree Hyman from Pike Nurseries. Good morning. Good morning, Ashley. So we've been together. This is week three, talking about things that uh, involve gardening and what you're doing at Pike Nursery. And have you found that people are still happy, Desiree? Yes, I think they're just excited to be in their yards and getting a little sunshine. It's been beautiful out and, you know, it's really turned into a safe haven. And, I'm, you know, a pandemic, there is never, ever, ever a good time for a pandemic. <laughs> but coming along in the springtime was almost a little bit of a blessing in disguise because it's not winter. We're not cooped up inside. Right. We're free to go outside and enjoy our environment around us. And this is when a lot of people are outside being productive anyways. So, I mean, this is really a time that people are evaluating their landscapes and thinking, okay, if I've got a little bit of extra money, there's things I can do to spruce it up. Right. And we finally have maybe a little bit more time to tend to our garden. That's what I said at the top of the show, Desiree. I mean, I didn't mean to sound callous, but I was like, a pandemic is the best thing that could have happened in my yard because it has forced me to be a lot more active than I have been in years past. Just maintenance before I even start about thinking about beautification, just maintaining what I've already got and pulling away English ivy and things. But one thing that I'm happy to do every year, and it's so easy and simple, is changing out the containers that I've got on the back deck or the containers you've got by the front door, maybe time to take the pansies out, or if you just had nothing in there, and y'all have got great annuals and colorful pops of things that people can just pop right in a container. Yeah, absolutely. So now is definitely the time to start changing out your container gardens. So when you're planning your container garden, there's kind of a, a three-step process that we recommend. Mm-hmm. So you start with a, um, so the one that pours, or sorry, thriller. So something that's going to be tall and upright. And if you're going to be having the container against the back wall, you're going to place it kind of towards the back where the height is. But if you're going to be able to see the container garden from all angles, plant it right in the middle. So something tall with height, a junkus grass, which is kind of fun. It looks like corkscrews are a great option. Or if you're all about the bloom color, geraniums are fantastic and will take our summer sun and heat. That's true. And they grow more upright, don't they? Like taller stems. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Yes. So then you move on to your filler. And that tends to be the fun stuff with lots of different blooms. So as it says, it's going to fill your container in. So there's tons of blooming options. Some of our favorites are lantana and lots of different colors. Uh, Calibracoa, which almost looks like little petunias. And there's so many different colors to choose from. So if you have a favorite color, 
we can find the color for you. And then we also recommend, you know, mix herbs in. You know, we tend to put our veggies and our herbs in a separate garden. They don't need to be. You can put them right in your container gardens, and they have a lot of really great texture and foliage. So And smell, too. That'd be nice to walk by, well. walk by the front door and be able to smell some of that, too. Well, yeah, and just being able to pop right outside and grab a little, you know, thyme or sage or whatnot as you're cooking, you want it to be convenient. And then the last step is spillers. So plants that you're going to plant around the edge of the pot and that are going to kind of spill over it. So some of the favorites are Creeping Jenny. And if you don't have a green thumb, Creeping Jenny is for you. It's just going to grow and grow and grow. And it's got little leaves, right, Desiree? Creeping Jenny is smaller leaves. Yes, it's like small green, lime green leaves. And if it gets too long, you just pluck some off and you let it keep going. So it's very, very forgiving. And potato vine. Yes. Love potato potato vine. vine. Yeah, another easy one. And it has either that lime green or really dark purple, which can be kind of a fun contrast as well. Very nice. I love it. So operationally, Pike Nursery is handling things a little differently. But the good news, Desiree, you all are still there for your customers. We are, yes. Because we provide veggie plants, which are so important, we are open. However, you know, we're still putting safety first. So our in-store shopping experience, and we know that people are sad, that portion is closed. But you can uh, request your plants online. And then you can come pick them up for either curbside pickup or we can deliver them right to your house. So you don't, you know, we're more than social distancing. So you can get your flowers and and be safe as well. And we're encouraged if you have a neighbor that, you know, can't come out, you know, brighten their day and put a tray of flowers in the front so that they can get in their backyards too and, you know, spread a little love. Yeah. And start thinking about Easter is next weekend. And, you know, if you are used to interacting with everybody at church services or family gatherings or something, now is the time, like you said, you could actually just share plants with one another, leave them at the doorstep, leave them in the driveway. I think that's so sweet, and especially this time of year to be thinking of, of others and sharing plants. That's something that doesn't cost us a lot of money. No, it doesn't. And it's one of those simple acts that can make someone's day. And I I think we all have those moments where we need a little bit more positivity as we kind of try to understand the world around us. Yeah. Okay. So when I call my local Pike Nursery store, there's someone still answering the phone. Like you said, I can do orders that way. What about online orders about what's the turnaround that I'm looking at from placing it? Like, you know, things for for Easter coming up. How much leeway do I need to give you all? So plan on about two to five days at this point with, you know, we're in the heart of spring, which is the busy planting season. So it is taking about two to five days. So as you're looking at your Easter plans for next weekend, look at your yard today, put in your request to make sure that you have plenty of time to pick them up and you can spend Easter in your garden. That sounds great. Well, how can folks find you guys online and then on social media, Desiree? Uh, Online, we're at pikenursery.com. And then Facebook and Instagram is Pike Nurseries. It's been so nice to see y'all's Instagram posts and some of your tweets from time to time, just reminding us of all the color out there and reminding us of the plants that would be doing really well right now. It's it's inspiring, and I think y'all need to keep it up, and I think people need that inspiration too. So thank you for that. Of course. We, we appreciate you following taking a look. If we can spread a little happiness, we're going to try to do our part. Well, have a great weekend, Desiree. I look forward to talking with you again soon. Yeah, take care. Thanks, Ashley. Thank you. PikeNursery.com is an easy place to go. 
agricultural businesses are adjusting as well these days amidst obviously the COVID-19 crisis. So I reached out to get more information on whether or not farmers and gardeners are experiencing a seed shortage or even if there's been issues with these wholesalers ordering plants. So take a listen with this. Well, I'm joined on the phone this morning by Jimmy Adams, a friend of the show. You've become a friend of the show, Jimmy, of Adams Briscoe Seed Company down in Jackson, Georgia. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us here on Green and Growing. Jimmy, how are you? I'm fine, Ashley. I appreciate you calling. I hope you're doing well and uh, staying healthy. Yes, and you know, work looks a lot different these days. Folks, home lives look different, and I'm sure your business is looking a little different, too. Tell me some of the uh, adjustments that y'all have made at the store. Well, we're trying to follow best practices that uh, the CDC is, is suggesting and the guidelines that the governor and the president are, are requesting of us, but uh, sort of pacing the number of uh, customers allowed in, into an area at one time and offering curbside service for those that are uh, in a fragile health situation that don't want to be exposed to anything. Yeah, so luckily retailers, experienced retailers such as yourself, y'all are able to adjust and adapt and, you know, quickly turn on your heels to still keep a business open and accommodate the customers while keeping yourselves and your employees safe, right? Correct. We're, we're a small company. We we can operate on multi-levels. I can still answer the phone even with the governor's um, requested isolation. Um, I can take emails and, and answer the phone. And, 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 again, I can offer a curbside service to someone that has a, a need of a product that, as an agricultural industry, I, I think we're considered uh, essential, but we're still trying to follow best practices. Right. No, and, and that is great. That is great news for your business. And, you know, we've been in touch with the uh, Urban Ag Council in Georgia as well. And so many agricultural businesses, landscaping businesses are considered essential at this time. So that's that's great news for you. It's probably the first time in history that a seed store has had to close on Good Friday. Oh, wow. That's like asking Macy's to shut down on Christmas Eve. Right. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So I wanted to get your thoughts. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, a friend of mine shared a Washington Post article with me, and just the headline alone, an onslaught of orders engulfs seed companies amid coronavirus fears. So you were my expert, my go-to, to see in Georgia here locally or even in the southeast, if we are really seeing a seed shortage at this time, what are your thoughts on that? Well, it's actually a, a complex question. Uh, it's a yes and no. Uh, there is a higher demand since people are isolated and, and staying home and sheltering in place. They naturally they need something to do and they want to work in the yard, so they're wanting to plant a garden, for, some for the first time. Uh, so the retailers and, and wholesalers stock their shelves based on normal consumption, and um, with a higher demand, those shelves get empty just like the grocery stores are experiencing now to some extent. As far as being an actual seed shortage, uh, there are some crops, primarily commodity crops, that are that are in short supply this year due to weather, you know, weather conditions in parts of the country where the production is. Okay, and that's uh, actually putting a a little bit of a crimp. That the, there's product available now, but it may dry up before the end of the planting season. Yeah. But as far as uh, consumer vegetable seeds, we've not experienced a, an inability to get what we need it's uh sometimes there's a time situation logistics getting those seeds from us from a supplier uh when our when our, when our shelf gets empty here maybe a day or two you're replacing what we've sold mm-hmm. speak to you know people that may not understand the retail circuit how you go about year to year 
knowing the quantity of seed or any other product that you order? You know, what is the process in ensuring that you have the right things in stock? Is it based on last year's sales? Right. You you typically go by historical data. Um, you know, if, if you've sold X number of pounds of a product in one year, you anticipate the same movement. Any number of things can increase that. For instance, simply your competitor being out of it will um, increase your demand on, on what you have in stock. So you'd make the best buying decision you can, but uh, you can only use what information you have. And talk about the side of your business that sells plants. I know we focused on seed, but what about the plants that you're able to offer? Well, plants have been in short supply. There's because of the increased demand by home gardeners, uh, the plant farms. Uh, I'll use uh, a large one that supplies, you know, the, the big box stores, uh, Bonnie Plant Farm, mm-hmm. out of Alabama. They, they've got grow stations all over the country. But talking with the sales rep, he indicated that their their sales are up 200 percent over a year ago. So demand is high for plants as well as seed. Now, do you have any advice, Jimmy? You've been in this business a long time. You understand Georgia agriculture. Any advice to anybody, whether it is a farmer or just a home consumer, home gardener, that may be panicking right now? I would say that that there should be no reason for panic. Um, I had a customer early in the season come in. He wasn't concerned about what seeds he bought. He just wanted to stock up on seeds in case he was not able to get them later. Mm Mm-hmm. I think that's an overreaction, which is not necessary. The reaction he had, it, it's just like uh, uh, the public buying toilet paper or, or any other uh, commodity just um, out of fear. I think fear is our worst enemy at the time, at this present time. Fear of the unknown, right, wouldn't you say? Correct. Jimmy, I'm really glad you mentioned that you are still going to be available to customers. And if you would like to share maybe the phone number and the email address where people could reach you and still allow them to shop, but while keeping everyone safe, too. Well, we can be reached uh, at the business number 770-775-7826. Or you can email us at simply adamsbriscoeseed at gmail.com. And that's Briscoe with an E. All right, Jimmy Adams, owner of Adams Briscoe Seed Company in Jackson, Georgia. Again, this is your second time on Green and Growing, Jimmy, and I so appreciate your knowledge and your expertise on this and kind of quelling folks' fears, if you will, and glad you are still open for business, sir. Well, Ashley, I appreciate you calling, and it's always good to talk with you. All right, we'll be catching up soon. Stay busy this season, okay? Thank you very much. Thank you. Have a good day. So I love hearing local businesses and small business owners that are still finding a way to survive in these difficult times. And that's good news to hear that there may not necessarily be a seed shortage right now. If that's still something you're interested in doing, you can be starting seed. I'll come back with a final, a few final thoughts. And Harry and Lilburn, I want to get to your question about an oak leaf hydrangea. So stay tuned to 95.5 WSB. You may have to work from home, but who says you can't have your friends over? Listen to Eric Von Hessler, Eric Erickson, and Mark Aram live on your smart speaker. Tell your device, play 95.5 WSB. Bill Withers carried us through this morning. Thank you, Jason, for all the good tunes. May he rest in peace. That was a sad loss over the week. A weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing today. The weather is not sad. It's going to be beautiful today and tomorrow. Highs almost 80, lows only in the mid-50s, and no no rain in the forecast until maybe Tuesday. So be on the lookout for that. 
Your complete weather forecast comes up in 10 minutes on 95.5 WSB. Last couple of minutes of green and growing. Harry, you've got about 20 seconds if you can quickly tell me what you need to know about a hydrangea. I have an oak leaf hydrangea that's been in my backyard for 25 years. It's been uncovered. It has lots of vines growing in it. I've got to get them off. Mm -hmm. And also, I have a rhododendron that's looking kind of pitiful. I would like to bring the oak leaf hydrangea from eight feet to at least six and cut out all the dead because it has been exposed to all the other trees and bushes and throwaways have been cut up around it. Okay, so looking for pruning maintenance? I think so. I'm going to cut the dead out irregardless. Yeah. Because okay. it now it's completely uncovered. Yeah. Harry, let me direct you to, I hate to put you off, but now I hear the music. Go to Monrovia.com. They're a plant producer and a plant supplier. M-O-N-R-O-V-I-A. Monrovia.com. They produce hydrangeas, and they have a great, if you search hydrangeas, they've got a great page for maintaining and caring for and obviously pruning an oak leaf is a little bit different than pruning say a panicle hydrangea there is some pruning that can be done now and then after that blooms later in the summer so monrovia.com search hydrangea and that's also going to warn you about root rot proper water maintenance and things like that you've had success though if it's been there for a couple of decades we got to get out of here i want to direct you to my facebook page green and growing wsb please visit that a new photo album where I want to uh, see your inspiring photos of folks giving each other advice and friendly tips on how to battle this pandemic and just stay happy gardening. I look forward to hearing more from you there on Facebook and reach out to me if you're interested in the scavenger hunt for kids to do this week. Thank you so much for being alongside with us here at WSB. It means a lot. We hope you'll stay tuned. Have a wonderful weekend. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.